welcome to this week's episode of Marvelous, coming with a six-episode run of Loki, uh, the latest television offering from Marvel. It's very exciting. I'm very excited. I'm particularly excited because I have no idea what my co-hosts thought about this show. Somehow, in the last 24 hours, we have not told each other our general feelings about Loki. So uh, I'm delighted to be here with Matthew. Hello. And Laura. Hello. And who would like to tell me, first of all, how they found this introductory episode to Loki? I, I went on to Disney Plus and clicked OK when it came up. That's how I found it. That's good work. How did you mm. find it, Laura? How are we this far in to Marvellous <laughs> episodes? Because I don't think he's done that one before. You missed me. I, just, yeah, I really did. <laughs> Genuinely, I missed it so much. And and you know what, actually, before before you tell me what you thought, I would like to say that first and foremost, Loki has properly succeeded in being the god of mischief, god of chaos. It's been Friday for me since Wednesday morning, <laughs> and it has messed so deeply with my week and sense of time, as if it wasn't bad enough, given 2020, 2021, Euro 2020, anything could be happening right now. So, I love the, the meta element of that, with it all being about time as well. It's mm. all about time, and I, I just think there's something really sinister about the way in which they've already messed us around. <laughs> Laura, what did you think? Well, Matthew, did you want something more than that? <laughs> no, Matthew is waiting <laughs> Matthew's patiently. had his go. <laughs> no, Matthew did the And gestures. I ruined it for everyone. <laughs> Matthew made a joke. Everything Matthew, is fine. Matthew will sit there and think about what he's done. <laughs> No, because I'm I'm I can't tell what Matthew thought at all. I have a guess as to how you found it, Laura, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I thought it was a good fun start. I thought Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson were great together. Uh, there was a lot of exposition and world building, uh, and because of that, I'm really looking forward to the next episode. Now that we've got that that sorted, which was needed for the first one, a little bit kind of. We, we had the conversation um, in the kind of preparatory uh, episode for Loki where we talked about, well, which which Loki are we going to get? Are we really going to get the um, one that, that dipped out in Endgame? Or because he's the popular Loki, is it going to be the later one? And I kind of feel like they forced that character development in this, in this episode to get him through Thor 2 and Ragnarok very quickly in one episode so that we can maintain the timeline, dare I say that word, um, but we've got the Loki we want. Um, some people from what I've seen online are saying this is sort of on a par with the best of one division this episode I am not there uh, but I think strong start um, and uh, yeah really looking forward to one talking about it with you and to seeing the rest Matthew I think we talked a little bit about how there are slightly different versions of Loki depending on the director and what they take and, and the strength of Loki as a scene stealer early on in Thor and, and the Avengers is what's enabled him to keep coming back and keep coming back and so on. And and particularly from Joss Whedon onwards where they sort of click like, oh, he can speechify and when he does monologues, it's really good. And I feel like Marvel are now trolling us. Kevin Feige is basically going, oh, you like Loki, Loki talking? Well, how about 45 minutes of Loki talking? Is this not better? And they've just thrown us like... Here's him just having having relationships and and rapport with different people. Done. And the question, of course, is, is this not better? <laughs> I'm not sure it is better yet. I feel like I could have done with a little bit more something. What, what but there are been? hints of it to, to come. I don't, just, just something about what's actually coming. 
Um, this this is very much prelude and setup, but they are doing a lot of the work, which I'm hoping they've just now gotten out of the way of right. Mm -hmm. Timey wimey shenanigans. Here's what the, the time for, for whatever they're called are. Timekeepers. Uh, time variance authority. Oh, time variance authority. Yep. Um, and exactly like you say, Laura, the the character work on Loki. Mm -hmm. You know, and getting him to a place where he could be an interesting one, and allowing us to forgive him his transgressions from previous films. If we are saying it is, it is that one who bombed New York, then. Moving him to a place where he could be the hero stroke anti-hero. Mm -hmm. mm. Abby, what about you? Well, I loved it. Actually, it turns out what I wanted more than anything was um, forty-five minutes of world building <laughs> and a bit of chat. <laughs> it's just it was it was so mild. It was so procedural. Right. <laughs> it was so gentle. It was engrossing. Tom Hiddleston did so many faces, and he's he did really a lot of faces. Good. And he got to do his little Bond thing. Just speaking, speaking of which, I mean, obviously that was a big scene in the trailer. The the um, yeah, DB forget Cooper. the name. Yes, DB Cooper. Mm. Thought that other people on this podcast would have paid attention to detail, and and I enjoyed that kind of little retrospective. Locus we have known and loved, um, not <laughs> as depending on how you feel about the hair, largely. Um, I, uh, and of course, for me, I can't remember what was in what film. Um, you know, <laughs> if it was in the Avengers, I've probably forgotten. The bit at the beginning, I was like, this is in the film, this isn't in the film. I can't remember. It's I don't Endgame. know. Was it in the film? Endgame. Is it, is it in Endgame? Mostly. Mm. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it seemed like it might have been. But honestly, I mean, it could have been brand new and I wouldn't have been any the wiser. But it's only because I can't hold that in my head and not because I don't have a strong affinity okay. for Loki. Um <laughs> I was really surprised by the time taken. I mean, no pun intended. The the detail, the very very heavy aesthetic, and actually, mm. when talking about the best of Wandavision, um, you'll be delighted to know that I've got a design classics section for this podcast. Okay. <laughs> um, talking about the best of space age design and about the whole concept of the TVA taking the best of. Uh, technology and, and updating it for their purposes. Hmm. I I mean that is that is my cup of tea. All of these elements, um, you know, the deep beige, mm -hmm. uh, uh, just oh, it was just a joy. It was so slow. I didn't think Marvel could go this slow, and that <laughs> no. turns out I wanted them to do. And it was like saying this is this is a bit different because you know when we talked in our prequel thing about what it was going to be, I think we all expected a little bit more flashbang. Mm. you know mm. pizzazz particularly in the first episode because it's normally mm -hmm. that kind of grab it yeah it was really low on pizzazz mm. it was high on Im imagery and aesthetic and exposition and you know philosophy you know the, the whole what if i'm a robot i mean <laughs> brilliant yeah that's great it took one division a long time to get to the philosophical mm. ponderings and uh you know here we are with loki straight in and, and just that that moment where it, He's so there were so many moments of vulnerability, and and the ability to flip from godlike grandeur to the meaninglessness of that in this context, um, you know, just as with the Infinity Stones, and mm -hmm. and again, we're definitely going to want to talk about those because that's something that came up in our preamble as well. What would happen if this is about Infinity Stones and making them meaningless? And we were all like, no, nah, that'd be rubbish. But <laughs> <laughs> now we've got that out of the way in Episode One, you know. 
again, it's about kind of bursting these these big ticket items mm. from the films. And I think that one of those things is just the kind of the volume of Loki. And it just pokes a little hole in that. And mm. and I was here for it. I was here for it. So that's what I thought. Good. <laughs> so nice. here we are. <laughs> I'll be your Pollyanna today. So it's well, all good. I can be dark and cynical. I don't think I have any complaints. I don't think I have one complaint. Mm. Genuinely, I was a little bit surprised that Gugu and Bartha Roy wasn't in it a bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, big name for a small part, but, mm. you know, maybe. I'm, I'm sure that's not the last we've seen of her. No, but, um, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think I thought that she'd have a bit more kind of two-hander um, in it. And the last thing I want to say about the love, and I cannot emphasise this strongly enough, is Natalie Holt's score. I mean, I was just yelling throughout. I mean, then obviously then I had to watch it again because I blew it in the yelling through it. <laughs> but this kind of X-Files Clockwork Orange hybrid, yeah. mm-hmm. which really matches what the show is. And it also has this little sting. And anyone who's listened to me talk about television will know that I got very into Dark, uh, the German yes. time traveling TV series. And then Dark has this little sting that kind of goes meow. Like all the way through, and Loki has this multiple times, and it was really weird. And we were going, oh, it's just like that, and, and like it's. I'm not saying it's it's a steal or anything. I'm saying if it if it's a you know whether it's intentional or just kind of part of that aesthetic, mm. and it's very much part of that Clockwork Orange synth take as well. Cool. Um, but I just, oh, every note, everything, and then the contrast with things like the cityscape, this really suddenly beautiful space. Era mm-hmm. score as well. It was just I thought the music did real thematic work that I don't think I've enjoyed so much in the Marvel TV shows to date. This felt like something bigger and a bit more grown up and a bit more made for television, mm-hmm. not in a Wonder Vision pastiche way. Mm-hmm. In a here is a TV show. Gosh, I said a lot of words. Someone talk to me about something else. All good words. <laughs> So many words. I, I think I've that thing about <laughs> it's been made for television is interesting because it, I, I, get, I got a real vibe. The way it sort of finishes, and you're like, okay, I guess I'll wait for episode two to find out something more on what, where the show is actually going, what it's going to be. It, it really does. It feels like a mini series, where where the others haven't. Yeah. The others have felt like an episodic series in the same manner of a Star Trek Discovery, and so on. This feels more in the Queen's Gambit, maybe? Have you noticed mm. the TV spots? Because I saw one in the middle of the football the other night. Mm. And it was regular. Loki, a six-part series. And I think interesting. it's interesting okay. that they're specifically, as you say, marking it as a six-part series. Mm. So you're not going to get it all in episode one. But, but yeah, it, it's a different branding. It's a different type mm. of experience. The uh, director, Kate Heron, I want to say... Kate Heron. Um, I heard her talking about uh, this, and she kept saying um, the f- the film, and then correcting herself. She said, "I keep thinking of it as a film." Oh, how interesting! Interesting. Yeah. Bloody long. And film. also, I have to say, <laughs> British female director. Hello. Mm. <laughs> yeah. British female director, British female composer, Gugum Batherall, Tom Hiddleston. It's, it's hefty. Brit Take it over. Mm. in this one. More more Brits to come. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I have a complaint and I think it is proof that again Kevin Feige is trolling specifically me because he listens to this show Um, Hi Kevin 
Uh, well, exactly. He he knows the sorts of things people like me and us will do. I'm saying us, blatantly. It's not you two. Um, <laughs> did you see that title sequence? I did. With the like hundred something different fonts being flashed up in Loki. Mm. Yeah. It's going to take me so long to pause it and look for anything in there. <laughs> yeah, that really is just you. <laughs> it feels like the sort of place they're going to put something interesting or the fonts are going to tie into it in some way. So... I already had my wife pointing out some of the fonts, some of the, you know, the horn god of the O. Mm. And so um, I've got a lot of notes from this episode. Mm. Um, is it just all under the heading of these other things I love? <laughs> it's under the head of these are, these are interesting elements and... How interesting. I think I think what I am quite curious about is that I'm less inclined to try and pull this apart as um as a clue or as something unraveling, you know, they they've in talking about Loki as a variant and talking about, you know, variants, you know, great comic book language, you know, this is a Loki variant, this is an, an instance of Loki, and we're talking about this time villain. As presumably, presumably a different variant of Loki, or is it a future variant of this Loki? I don't know. We'll find out. Um, and it it doesn't need necessarily to mean anything because it could mean anything at all. I think bringing in the timekeepers, um, and again, really outlining it at the beginning, it's very different from what we've seen in Falcon and Winter Soldier and, and Wonder Vision, where you spent a long time wondering where the villainy and the conflict was coming from. And this yeah. has just laid it all out mm. to the extent that you two are wondering where the content is coming from. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's almost the inverse. No, this is where I'm hoping that now we've got this all set up, which I think they did very well, don't get me wrong. It's just the nature of the, the first episode, isn't it? Um, I'm hoping now we will go into something more episodic. And yes, there will be this, the arc is that they're trying to track down villain Loki or, or whatever but um, but there will be more shenanigans with, with each episode that's why I'm hopeful I think that's why in a way it feels like we don't, there isn't too much the world's been set up and everything but as Matthew says we don't really know where it's going to go mm-hmm. and yeah being you know the queen of the mystery box and always wanting to pick things apart I'm pretty relaxed about that at the moment mm. although I did have my Mephisto moment which was <laughs> uh, was quelled <laughs> Did they put that in on purpose? No. Again, Kate Heron was talking about it. Okay. Tell me what she said. Um, she was asked about it, and she said um, that no, but she ha- she was watching the um, the discussion that was going mm. on, and she thought, well, this is going to be interesting to see how this lands. Okay. But she said, you know, his it's the idea of his horned helmet and yeah, and that kind of thing. And uh, and the thing is, they answer it in the same episode. You know, they say it's. Mm-hmm. It's Loki, so or a variant of Loki. So at least we haven't now got a, a Mephisto theorising for the next however long. What I want to say about that and and about the Loki that we have at the end is um, tarot. And very, very strong tarot imagery. Okay. Um, first of all, you have the devil and it's kind of and he's sat in, in this on the world and you have the star and it's mm. kind of very strong sort of major arcana-esque imagery in, in the windows, sort of card shape format and then when he appears at the end it's with the the cowl and the lantern and pretty mm. much as the hermit and you you could go somewhere with this or you can just really enjoy loki somebody very aware of the mortal interest mm. in 
the trope in that kind of ephemeral um, ways of trying to predict and subvert fortune and fate mm-hmm. and indeed time and destiny and all these things. And I can really imagine Loki as being somebody to take on the major arcana as a various element of, of his character if he's going to kind of delve throughout time because you know a lot of tarot imagery goes through long periods of time it, it's the kind of aesthetic i can imagine loki partaking in okay um rather mm. than playing with religious imagery or rather than you know coming in some kind of great monster mm. way i think the tarot is a very sort of human centered way to uh, cause some mischief Okay. And I just think that those are two very strong imageries from the deck mm. and, and they are staged in that way, whether that is a conscious choice or just a kind of aesthetic framing. They're two strong images in not the largest deck in the world. So, mm. yeah, that's interesting. We'll have to keep an eye out for more. And by we, I mean you. As yes. I have no idea. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I will absolutely be doing that. And I just, yeah, I, I like that again as... I just thought the aesthetic was very strong, very strong. Talk more about the the beige and the your, your space retro. Can I talk about the Welltron space ball? Uh, please do. Yeah. The the Welltron Anytime. 2001 space ball, which was an AM/FM radio with an eight track slot, which has been modified to become the whatever it is, the round the round red thing. Okay. In on, the room. The, on his desk. The projector On the desk. Thing. Mm. Yeah, is a Welltron space ball modified to cool. uh, the interest of the TVA and they, they've modified it and made it futuristic and I think there were lots of, oh, my wife kind of said this is her time, this is her kind of period okay. of thing and she sort of sat there going look at this, look at this, there's the uh, the tulip table, uh, the Eero Saranen tulip table which is again design classic much more stable than it looks, we have um, a version of it, you can get an Ikea version if you're particularly mm-hmm. interested um, there's also that and the Polaroid technology in in the robot imaging gate yeah. uh, was was a beautiful thing to see. And this idea that kind of at some point the TVA has flourished, presumably around the space age period of time. But as human and presumably also alien technology has advanced, they've taken what they want from time and embedded it. But in these these things, you know, you think of the device when they're in 1500s France mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't look too out of place. Obviously, it's weird, but it's also wooden, so it's not too weird mm-hmm. um, for time. And I thought that there were lots and lots of elements of that. Obviously, fish, not important enough to bring into the TVA. Fair Probably enough. my favourite line. I know it was put there to be my favourite line, and I'm all right with that. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I felt that it told you so much, and it gave them so much room to lean into set design and set dressing and so on. Um, but you still have Loki in strong, you know, pretty much just from the hair and the face, it's strong contrast mm. um, to his surroundings at, at every point. Even in his boiler suit, even sort of boiled down mm. to pretty much just the hair and a bob at that. it's um, <laughs> He still manages to be so striking in this sort of quite dull environment. Um, I was yeah. quite disappointed that as part of the different processes he went through he didn't have to be showered <laughs> after after not, for, like not for kinky reasons but those as well but 
But after our conversation last time, where we did put out, he does seem a little greasy a lot of the time. Hmm. I he really enjoyed the D.B. Cooper bit because, yeah. well, he'd cleanly, clearly, when he was younger, he used to shower. <laughs> Gosh, he scrubs up well. well Hiddleston. He does. You, you remember those bomb casting rumour years? Remember that? Yeah. Story? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what and we could what have was won. That, that miniseries he was in. Night the Night Manager. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I did not see that. <gasps> you need to see that. I Hasn't it got a Hugh Laurie in it? it yes, has. Hugh Laurie's in it. Has. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, Debicki. Elizabeth Debicki. Um, yes. Lots of the, people uh, Yeah, the D.B. Cooper thing, I was a bit... I think because we picked that up in the trailer as it being, um, oh, this is this is evidence of shenanigans. Yeah. And it was kind of like, oh, oh it's a fast like trailer lies. <laughs> yeah. But um, I liked it for trailer lies. It was evidence of shenanigans, but shenanigans passed. <laughs> yeah, it, it seemed a bit of a weird thing for Thor and Heimdall to have got him to do. What do they care about human money and would they really mm. be threatening people with a bomb? I mean, that that feels like the Loki level of... I, I know we sort of slightly disagreed on what mischief means. Yeah. That feels like a level of mischief in in the mm. same way as, I, I think, to me... I see Loki doing it. Sneaking some um, frost giant types into a coronation. Mischief is fun. Mischief yeah, I completely, see, completely mm. see Loki doing it. I don't see mm. Heimdall. Maybe young Thor, but I don't really mm. see even young Heimdall doing it. But, I mean, that's, that's hardly here or there. But... Owen Wilson agrees with me that he's not seeing a lot of mischievousness when he's looking at the Avengers stuff. Mm. And I'm like, Can yes, Owen Wilson. A bit more about Owen Wilson. Mm. He was what good, wasn't he? People like to... he, he... What, what, have, what were people's Owen Wilson's feelings prior to this? Apart from his amazing sofa advertising turn, <laughs> which none of us saw coming. Uh, I love Owen Wilson very much. I think he's wonderful. I I like Luke Wilson as well, but Zoolander is one of the funniest things there is, mm. and he's a key part of that. So, yeah, I, Zoolander is probably the thing that I I go to first when I think of him, mm-hmm. and then probably various rom coms, Marley and Me, etc. Yeah, I generally think he's not necessarily one that I'd say, oh, he's in that film, I must now watch it. But um, I like him when I see him and stuff. I, but I think mm. this is the performance uh, I like the most. Okay. It feels like the most kind of pulled together. Yeah, he's normally a bit kind of um, slacker type mm-hmm. character, isn't he, in some way, shape or form. My main experience of him is in Wes Anderson films, so mm-hmm. I keep expecting him to be a lot more obscure than <laughs> than I think he was in, in this. And, I, you know, particularly Bottle Rocket, which, I mean, it's always difficult when someone's first film is really kind of the most striking, I think, but... Mm. But, um, oh gosh, I've forgotten the name of it. What's the one where they're on the train in India? Tell me about Darjeeling. Darjeeling Express mm. Limited. Mm-hmm. Um, he's extremely good in that, I think. Okay. I think. And I think that's that's one of those films that whenever I watch it again, I'm always, it's, it's not the film it is in my head. It's always a much better film than it is in my head. And I think it's because it seems like it's going to be something that it really isn't. Right. And I think he's particularly good in it. And definitely somebody who many people kind of go to the rom-com when they think of him so it's quite nice mm. to see him in this I, I don't feel that we got much more than this kind of polished put together mm. um quite senior so I, I mean again my wife was saying you know, he brings a lot with him but mm-hmm. it's not on show 
Yeah. And I think that that, that makes him very interesting casting at this point. Hmm. And also, his name is Mobius M. Mobius, and I just really hope the M also stands for Mobius. His <laughs> yeah, name right. is in fact Mobius, 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 and I just <laughs> could say that every week. <laughs> Which kind of works for the name, doesn't it? Because the Mobius strip is the... Mm-hmm. Infinity loop. Hmm. Which was the shape that they used in um, Endgame for the time travel. It was an inverted Mobius loop. Mm. Mm. Do you think when you introduce so much possibility of time... As people who understand the chronology of the films and are presumably slightly invested in them, um, I would like to hear your thoughts about what it's like to suddenly blow that timeline wide open, the possibilities. Did you find that annoying or just did you like the way it was presented? I, I feel quite heavily that one of the remits of this show is to manage any inconsistencies introduced by introducing time travel. Because time travel, you, you're absolutely right, is almost too powerful a story element. Mm-hmm. As soon as you start saying you can go back and mess things, it's like, well, why don't we go back and change, uh, have someone there to take the Tesseract and stop the flight and you know make all these changes and so on. This is very nice that it's saying things are supposed to run in a certain order. And the way we have seen them run is the order they're supposed to run. We're now going to give you a bit of a hint of what happens when they go outside of that and, and create nexus events that might lead to madness for instance and what that might mean but when when you go back and you watch all of the mcu films that we've had even when they include time travel that's what's supposed to have happened and don't think about the other possibilities of what they could have done there because those other things are not the possibilities that could have done in this timeline deal with it nerds move on it it (laughs) did feel a little bit uh the whole very reasonably from Loki, well, actually, it's the Avengers who did all this. Uh, <laughs> and then, the yeah, but that was meant to happen, so right. move on. It was a bit kind of like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's neat, and I don't, to be honest, I don't want them, them to spend, I'm happy for us to spend a lot of time trying to work out what's going on, but I don't want them to put that on screen and explain it and rather mm. do other, other things. So I think it's something I, I, I can live with. But yeah, it was a bit kind of like, oh, well, that's convenient. Yeah. And I'm I'm really hoping that not, necessarily in this series but uh i think it's michael waldron the head writer he's also the screenwriter for doctor strange 2 and mm-hmm. he said that loki heavily feeds into doctor strange 2 yeah. and i think it's feige has said that loki is gonna have the um, most far-reaching impact on the mcu out of all of the disney plus uh, shows or at least mm. the, the current ones so i'm hoping like I said, not in this because I want us to just have some fun in this one, but say in Doctor Strange 2 that we actually really get into the timekeepers a bit mm-hmm. more. Mm. Because, you know, Loki does have a really good point. Who the hell are these people to be saying, to, to be puppeteering Yeah, everybody? So, and I think there might be some breaking down some of that, might be some of it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm quite curious about the power hierarchy now. And I think when the, he opened that drawer, I thought it was Quality Street to start with. <laughs> so, where are we going with this? Um, but seeing the Infinity Stones there, it was really effective to kind of go, yeah. oh my god. Um, and then you start the whole kind of, Nat died for an Infinity Stone, and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> oh, and you bastards were using them as, as paperweights and could have just chucked loved, one out. What I loved about that was the depth of impact that that scene had on Loki. Mm-hmm. But it's all in the performance and very little yeah. of it is in the text. And I thought that it really let that drop for the audience and for the character. And that's what drives Loki's change in in approach to Mm. his surroundings. Mm. And the idea that that this kind of ultimate power, 
in the reality that he's known is a drawer full of paperweights hmm. yeah. in this place. I thought that landed with so little ceremony in a way that things have not really landed. You know, it's not a comic book cover. It's mm-hmm. a drawer full of paperweights. Yeah. And I thought that was some really good writing. There's there's a lot of leaning on Tom Hiddleston's performance here, mm-hmm. which thankfully he can carry. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, rightfully but, so. And, and, mm. I, and I like that they do. I am now thinking about the future. And so, yes, there's Dot Strange too, but there's also then, okay, so we, thankfully, I think now Infinity Stones are probably done, which I'm quite pleased they put a cap on that. Mm-hmm. But then, okay, so the TVA is more powerful than the Infinity Stones. Where does the Eternals fit into that? Are the Eternals more powerful than the TVA? And do the timekeepers come to that somewhere? Again, I don't want that in Loki because I want us to just have some fun. But I, I love the fact that this is then just, just starting to point towards things you start then questioning. Pulls back a layer, doesn't mm. it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that when they opened that, You, uh, the thing that hit for me was there are multiple copies of the same Infinity Stone, and one of them is a big orange one, like the Soul Stone's in there. It's Just, very big, wasn't it? You know, like that's a hard stone to get, and um, they made a point in two films how difficult it was to get that stone. Yeah. And, and he says they come up a lot. We get those a lot. And I think that mm. also shows you how many attempts have been made to fix time mm-hmm. and to fix you know those stones in time and to change mm. their stones in time so some of those could be steve stones mm. if what was meant to happen was that the the stones were meant to be missing mm-hmm. oh yeah there's 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 whole possibilities in here that different versions of endgame happened mm. and the one that we saw is the one that should have happened but there's one where Doctor Strange does something with the time st- time stone and it ends up doing something ridiculous and they come and grab him. Well, Doctor Strange sees all the different possibilities and presumably mm. to see them, they exist mm. in mm. some form or other. But speaking of possibilities, I just, I, I really don't want to forget to ask you, Laura, about your um, oh, Peggy. finding. Yes, let's mm. talk I about don't, Peggy. I think when we say my finding... I read yeah. it on Twitter. It <laughs> and there were many, many people who were talking about it before I read it on Twitter. So um, I'll put it. Uh, I'll put a link to um, one of the many tweets talking about this in the show notes. When one of the times when Loki transports himself out of the room, he appears in a, a, a corridor, and then in the background you see one of these time doors opening and people walking through it. Someone has zoomed in on that, and it quite looks like it's a time agent with Peggy Carter. Now. It's a bit fuzzy. I don't think it looks like Hayley Atwell, but it definitely looks like someone who has been styled to look a lot like Peggy Carter. Okay. So that's interesting. Uh, now, whether that is just a little Easter egg they're going to leave there, or if we will see Hayley Atwell at some point, which I would be very happy to see, uh, and particularly if that is a way to get a uh, season three of Agent Carter. <laughs> but yeah, and the thing is then all of that, which I think this is going to get really dangerous when we get into more multiverse stuff and time stuff and what have you, because there are so many different things that are now going on in my head as far as, you know, well, what then happened with Steve, you know, has he been got by, is that why in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, no one knows where Steve is because the time cops have gone and got him, I don't know. Hmm. But anyway, let, perhaps we should talk about Loki a bit more because I'm going off on, on no, my, I think my um, But it is universe. nice to see all, all of those universe um, 
inspirations. But but speaking of the time cops, which is just and there are so many elements like this thing when you spend forty five minutes world building, you do get a lot done. And we've already talked about the volume of British people in this. Mm. Also, Wunli Masaku playing the hunter character. Mm-hmm. to be so much presence and so much. Mm. Um, do you know her for something else? Because I didn't recognize her. Um, she is in something I have seen a trailer for. Let me see what it is. Um, oh, she was in Luther. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. She was in Luther, and uh, she's been in a few other. Yeah, she had things. a real impact straight away. Mm. I hope we see more of her. Yes, absolutely. But I just, I think, you know, obviously, as as um, I don't know, let's say somebody of scale. I'm always very happy when I see somebody of scale. Um, women of scale with kind of solid body armor and mm. physical presence and yeah. competence and just I think the immediate kind of command and disinterest in Luke is kind of oh my god and she's very much like yeah you know anyway here's my time stick um, yeah. the, the time sticks making kind <laughs> of um, very sort of Star Wars noises I thought I don't know maybe mm. Did you did you find that? Did you think that they maybe borrowed the button from the other side of Disney Plus for the, for the Star Wars noise? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Star Wars in this. You're absolutely right with some of this sort of 70s space age aesthetic, and then that shot of the city outside. Tell you know, me more about that being Star Warsy. The, the, it did they do that? A lot? Looks like Star Wars. I mean, the Star Wars started being made in the 70s, so it has a very 70s style aesthetic to some of the styling of the hair and the the trousers and so on. Um just by the nature of when it existed. And then the prequels lent into that because mm. certainly by the end of the prequels, they were supposed to be building into a 70s period, although technically they were a 50s period because it's 20 years between them. But they decided to start styling people in the 70s to make it all fit together. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, it has elements of that, you know, the big city in the background that feels a bit like, you know, what we see in Empire Strikes Back and then what mm. we see on Coruscant in uh, in the prequels. Mm. Mm. I think there was there's something really interesting about um, the TVA sort of not being overtly space either. Mm-hmm. It's certainly something, mm-hmm. but it's not like space space. And, you know, we are used to kind of going, oh, this is, you know, off world. But this was so other. And I, I thought that, that everything about it made it both familiar and other. And I thought that looking out the window sequence was so striking. Mm. And very sort of, you know, like... like the 70s map painting of a landscape. Yeah, and it's, that's exactly the sort of thing they used to do those effects in films like Star Wars. So. I'm not sure yeah. they didn't use it to do it in this. No, yeah. <laughs> and, and that would be wonderful, I think. Um, Kevin, and that, Kevin Feige stood there going, you can paint these backgrounds. We've done them on computer, <laughs> but you can actually paint them. It's, guys, it's amazing. Love you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Kevin seems to be coming up a lot this this week. Like, has he? Did he do some more talking? Did he do something? Did I miss a thing? Or he's, just, just he's always on my mind. Is? Kevin never leaves. Yeah. Um. Well, every Wednesday. <laughs> sort of cool. Um, another another thing. Just again, speaking of important aesthetics and and how much we like to draw on um, popular culture uh, in Marvel things, I just want to say how wonderful it is to hear Twilight Sparkle uh, as the voice of Miss Minutes. Uh, the animated clock, Tara Strong. I know she's yeah. done other things, but let's yeah. face it, nothing is as good as uh, Twilight Sparkle from My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Oh my god. Um, a core, important role 
Um, and Twilight Sparkle, uh, for those of you who haven't enjoyed My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, and you should, it's a marvellous series, <laughs> um, is very big on rules, following rules, and uh, it makes her a wonderful character to in a completely different voice because Tara Strong is a actor of many powers, mm. many voices, mm. uh, explain the rules of the TVA um, and time and timekeepers. And I loved that kind of Hannah Barbera style. That's animation. what it was. Because I, I, I was watching it going, this is so familiar. And I was even like Googling 70s <laughs> animation. Well, it's like the Jetsons, uh, yeah. isn't it? It's... Yeah, that's mm. it's the Jetsons. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Mixed with some Flintstones and it was, mm. yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, um, I thought that was great. And it was so a great familiar. way to get through a hell of a lot of exposition. But it feel quite normal. It's kind of like the better version of the being a news report. And again, credit to my wife, but she said this is exactly like when you go to the Epcot Centre, which is also Disney. Mm. <laughs> That's very true. I, I had Jurassic Park as my... Oh, nice. Oh, this is doing yeah. dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, there's people talking about the crossover between... Um, is it Mr. DNA? Mr. DNA, DNA and Miss Minute. Mr. DNA yeah. and Miss Minute, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. I thought... <laughs> I had to look up who was the voice. I'm like... It's not Donnie Parton. I'm pretty sure it's not. They're not <laughs> going to put Donnie Parton and no Dolly one had Parton mentioned that. Marvel Universe. Exactly. Oh. I'm thinking someone would oh. have mentioned this. I'm sure. <laughs> so one um, day Dolly Parton's got to enter the Marvel Universe, but probably I think as her. Oh, exactly. You're about to say that. Surely, if Dolly Parton's in the MCU, it's because she's Dolly Parton. Yeah, maybe she's one of the timekeepers. She's a Nexus, <gasps> a Nexus, a creature being. Yeah, mm, being. So let's let's just move to that quickly in terms of what you think we might see do you think we'll meet the timekeepers i don't think we will in loki but i think we might in uh i don't know eternals or Doctor strange and not this serious business it's just their, their existence is the covered start. and mm-hmm. it's not about them mm-hmm. okay yeah and it i think it's interesting you know are they in the tva the good guys i'm not too sure you look at the TVA, and I know it's uh, something that's very much on a lot of our minds at the moment, but I'm sort of thinking, police brutality. And that guy didn't have his ticket, and that was that. Hunter B15, I think she's called. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she wants to prune, as they put it, everything. Or, yeah, mm. and it wasn't prune. It was poon, prune? No, it was prune. prune. Felt yeah. like such a strong word, I think. It yeah. was, that was a real weaponized. I know, but I like word. the imagery of it, where you have the timeline. If you If you saw it vertically, these are other leaves mm. and shoots coming off it so we're pruning to keep the the, the core trunks straight and yeah. strong to keep it strong mm. like yeah, that. yeah oh, that's good mm. but also Great just word. as far as the um the severe lack of justice in this process you know the accused doesn't understand the charge or what they're pleading guilty to no legal defense uh, no evidence put forward despite them saying that tesseract was evidence and the accused doesn't understand the sentencing that doesn't feel like good justice how much do you think it was actually justice and how much do you think it was customised for Loki? Oh, what do so you think if different people come in they have a different experience? Because they, they have a plan for Loki. They they want something from him. And I'm Maybe wondering Yeah, but but what I was wondering while they were kind of going through it was they 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 it feels like they manipulate him. It feels like the show manipulates mm. him through this character journey. But at, at different points, and I've, I've only watched it twice through so far, but it feels like at different points, Mobius is trying different ways to get Loki to the same place, mm-hmm. um, where that place is kind of compliance, and, and the idea that he has nowhere else to go. And he's trying to get him to, I can't go back to my own timeline, can I? Mm. Um, in various ways. So I'm I'm just wondering if that kind of, the, the sequence with the judge and the sequence with 
that is like a first attempt at bringing him down a peg or two because that's the first time he tries to kind of do his sort of peck flare I am a god what was he what was he going to do there <laughs> like what if that oh, I wondered if, that if he worked. might be trying to get the cape and the I don't know spread his lats bodybuilding pose it's a... <laughs> Because I was thinking, I just don't, I don't know what this was he trying off power hover? is. And do yeah, horns maybe. and get the, you know, yeah, yeah get costume. his horns. Yeah, <laughs> he probably doesn't call it that. It's the finest Asgardian leather. Finest Asgardian leather, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, but I, I as, as he said, it's, it's all. Yeah, this is an illusion uh, created mm. by the weak. And there's, you know, I, I think the. I think the bureaucracy was one of my favourite things <laughs> in the TVA as well. You know, talking about aesthetic and the space age era. Um, I'll say the ticket sequence. There's only two people in here. A direct play-by-play of the first time I went to Systembolaget in Stockholm, which was an old-fashioned alcohol shop, and all the people I was going into the alcohol shop, let's say on behalf of, but obviously I didn't give them alcohol. They were underage. They'd never been into one because you have to be over 21 to go in one. And uh, you had to have a ticket. I didn't speak any Swedish. I haven't seen a ticket machine since I was about eight in a cheese shop in Gloucester. (laughs) So (laughs) I didn't get a ticket. I just walked up to the counter, tried to order things, and they just kept pointing at the ticket. You need a ticket. You need a ticket. And I was like, there's no one else in here. (laughs) Someone else came in, got a ticket, went to the counter, got served. And I was like, Oh, nice. you're serious. Nice. <laughs> so to, to, to revisit rules. that with yeah. Loki, I was like, you know what? Sometimes there are just rules mm. and um, and it works. Mm. But I, I was quite delighted to see that play out <laughs> nice. in this. Um, yes. Mm. So Can I just check? Yeah. I understand how this works. So the idea being that this variant of Loki, <laughs> what? After that conversation, I really want you to be like, so you take a ticket, what happens then? <laughs> no, <that's laughs> well, when the number well. matches your number, you're <laughs> allowed you go to go up. up. It's it. really clever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I had that. It is really cool. But you know, you can imagine it, that the software doesn't tick through to the next customer until someone pulls a ticket. Mm. I can now, I logistically, I can imagine worth. that matching I think it's up. more jobs worth you haven't got no, a ticket. Because... Well, the... the, the um, amazing post office in near Liverpool Street does exactly that as a whole computer that prints them out and it's yeah great. the one in Cardiff went back yeah. to it as well mm. it's actually a really good system when you think about it coming back to so just <laughs> to make sure that I, I I understand what's happening here so Loki grabbing the tesseract then he became this variant because he came off the sacred timeline um so that am I right in thinking that means that another Loki, the real Loki, whatever, he isn't a variant, continued on, went to Asgard, went through Thor Ragnarok, got killed by Thanos, etc. I don't feel like they explained that well enough. I don't think that, because if that's the case, I think that's what they're saying, because they're Mm. saying about him being a variant, and this idea that, you know, the plan was to kill him. So it's not like the plan was to put him back. You know, the reset sounds like you'd be put back where you mm-hmm. were. But from what Mobius was saying, it sounded more like that was killing. But at the end of the end game footage, you see at the beginning, it, it fades to black, and then Thor is saying, "Loki, Loki, you know, where is he?" So at what stage does he come? Do you know? At what st- if if there is a Loki that continues on in the normal timeline? Well, as far as at least Thor's mm-hmm. concerned. He's mm-hmm. not there. So does he just pop back a bit earlier or? Let's, 
they haven't explained exactly what they've done. Did, did they go back to the moment of the Tesseract being freed next to him and stop him from being able to pick it up or something? It is probably the easiest way to headcanon it. In terms of this being a multiverse, what they've gone, they've done is they've gone into his branch that's come off and gone, what's the biggest change? The thing that's happened here is he's escaped and the rest of the world is continuing as it ever should have done. So we take him out of it and it matches the sacred timeline. The two timelines are not different, so fine. But I, I think there is from what they from what they the way they say it, because they talk about containment and resetting, mm. I think there is an element of it where they've gone back and made sure that does not happen at that moment. Okay. However that happens. Oh yes, yeah, so they would have as well as opened the window to Loki, they would have opened a window to where Thor and group her mm. and, and put one of the little time bombs yeah. down. But that's just me headcanning okay. it and going, I think they don't have time to really get into explaining what they're doing. Or yeah. maybe or maybe they do and we're not we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm gonna hand wave it away, head can it away <laughs> and accept it. <laughs> I the other thing I was thinking is this is I think this is a secret capitalist plot because they do point out or Miss Minutes points out on the video that you could become a variant just by being late for work. Mm-hmm. So can you imagine that's you know you're running late and then it turns out you're a bloody variant and you're going to be pruned. <laughs> Everybody get to work on time. Clearly, I'd be interested how that happens because that feels like sliding doors at that stage. Mm. Mm. But but that is kind of the thing, isn't it? That we've sort of seen in, I think, implied a few times that you know there are choices that you make and choices determine. Um things you know choices have meaning and stuff has consequences and i guess the point at which timekeepers prune does seem it doesn't seem to be every time someone's late for work it does seem to be when sort of meaningful interventions happen things that are i guess it it feels almost more like a logical impossibility when things Mm -hmm. will result in something that can't happen Mm -hmm. but but everything could happen you know, there are infinite possible worlds and where it, it isn't a time-wrenching consequence, it's presumably allowed to continue in one of many variants. Because I think there are plenty of variants in Marvel, right? There are lots of other Earths and other places and other people. I don't think that's been specifically said in the MCU. Yeah. In in the comics, in the MCU, yeah. no. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and I think they are doing this what what I was saying about like this this show is there to explain why they don't they're saying look what you're watching in all these films that's what's meant to happen and but we're if not you're going to have a multiverse with... mm-hmm. that's a multiverse hmm. yeah but if that's is that what is going to go wrong at some point because there was the whole thing there was the multiversal wars with all the different timelines which then the timekeepers pulled together into the sacred timeline hmm. so i'm guessing we're going to ha- end up another multiverse war or Something's going to happen to the timeline, maybe because of Loki. Wanda ascends to be a timekeeper, or yeah. Well, definitely. Well, the timekeepers and Wanda definitely insect in mm-hmm. the comics, and timekeepers aren't, as far as I can see or have seen, they aren't huge comic features. They're more kind of like, you know, those kind of on high characters mm. that are, yeah. you know, kind of like the Watchers, that but... kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, weirdly similar to yeah, the Watchers, I, I think. That. Um, but only kind of intervention-wise, they are constant rather than rare, I think. Um, and again, how that relates to the Eternals. Although I think the way that that relates to the Eternals, the Eternals are Earth-centred rather than okay 
but I could be wrong about that also. I don't know. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, they, as far as I, I know, the timekeepers have an issue with Wanda, and I think that back when we were looking at um, sort of who might be causing what and why Wanda's children might be a problem, the timekeepers are some of the people who have an issue with Wanda's having children. Okay. Ah. Um, so whether or not that is something that could which would make sense come out the, down the line if this is stretch. tying into uh, mm. that they said i think he said it was specifically the tva is tying into dr strange 2 okay and obviously we know wonders and dr strange 2 so oh, that'd be interesting hmm. yeah because my, my hope for this show is that it's loki going on some sort of adventure and and i'm interested to yeah. see what this variant is because this variant could be a future of this loki this is the evil variant yes yeah yeah the the uh, perceived antagonist so far yeah Mm. That it's this Loki eventually going and doing whatever he's doing. It's a Loki from Thor. It's a Loki from Infinity War or Endgame or some other Loki that we've seen who has become a variant somehow. Is the question kind of which Loki is this? Is mm. that the key to to? And and did we really understand what his villainy was explicitly? It's killing, killing. Um timekeepers hmm. and seems to be collecting the little time reset bombs okay. because when they go back to 16th century france hmm. the timekeeper not timekeeper time agent hmm. there um says that the reset thing is gone and then at the end when there's the fire this i think i think they, the the figure then reaches for the little reset grenade okay I think. And so if you were thinking of a motivation for Loki to do something with time, things that Loki cares about, I think in this really limited to... Well, no. I mean, you know, obviously the situation with his mother mm-hmm. um, yeah. is something. I thought that there was something very... Again, Hiddleston's face doing a lot of work, but um, moving about him seeing the sequence with Odin where Odin mm-hmm. refers to his sons mm-hmm. having just gone through the TVA being referred to as Lofusson. Yeah. All the way through, which is not a way that we see him described no. throughout um, Marvel. Mm. So I, I thought that that was just like a nice touch as well, seeing that maybe being meaningful mm-hmm. um, to him. So yeah, what what would Loki want to mess around with time for? Mischief or worse? Mischief, or is it is it his mum? Is it you know is, uh, is he collecting the time grenades, which I'm sure have a different name, in some way in order to break the sacred timeline to um to try and change what happened to his mum or just because he you know as he's been raging in this one he doesn't like this idea that he is being controlled and so he wants to break the timelines to give himself a choice he wants to control i mean you know that that bit where he says oh you want to control space yeah um, you know maybe he does want to control something greater maybe mm. this is a chance for loki to be the god of time mm. yeah that sounds fun mm. again i wonder if it's this Loki eventually deciding to free himself. Yeah, that's also good. And that uh, you know they are taking him from gradually minutes further back in time till they eventually stop him. But he always ends up becoming this Loki, or you know something along those lines. It's mm. because I'm as ever with Marvel expecting something clever. I'm expecting the you know top end time travel shenanigans stuff that you get in actual novels and good Star Trek. 
I'm amazed that you've still got high expectations. <laughs> I'm, I'm delighted for you. And, and, just, and game I, won nice. a lot of credit, didn't it? Yeah, apparently yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're still going. Um, yeah, I, I suppose I'm just hoping, yeah, for shenanigans, but actually I could just do another 50 minutes of exposition. <laughs> Probably not going to get it. There's got to be a caper in the next one. There's yeah. got to be a caper. Yeah, I think there needs to be some companion. capering. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the, the 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 we talked about it possibly being Doctor Who. I think they mm-hmm. started off with a very strong Doctor Who vibe, but actually very quickly segued away from that. So I was I was quite pleased they actually avoided that, and and it felt like its own thing. I I wasn't watching it going, oh this is Legends of Tomorrow. Oh this is this time travel thing. Oh this is because you know, we've seen a lot that's of these a, stories. That's a good mm. point. That is a good point. We the amount of things that we've referenced. I think during mm. this is is some testament to that as well. At no point did it feel like a pastiche. No, yeah, I I, I like that it has odes to things. I love that when they're sat either side of that table with the machine between them, you get the vibe of the Voigtkamp test from Blade Runner. I'm like, mm. oh, there's some interesting stuff, you know. And that's it's literate. It's one of the best moments of the film. Content. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah. So that and, that and I enjoy. Yes, and there's such a difference between being genre literate and. Um, pastiche and i think that we have talked about that you know i mean wandavision was that on a plate mm. mm-hmm. you know kind of hit the ground running with going we've got people who've seen television before um <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, uh, but you know when you think how how much we all collectively globally had to say about wandavision i think that was important mm. and i think that looking at this now as the third iteration of marvel you know global marvel tv i'm quite excited to see it Take mm. a slightly more grown-up turn, take a slightly less kick-kick, punch-punch, but still with some of that in it. Mm-hmm. But there was just so much more talking than I thought they'd let us have. <laughs> um, people went to France and spoke French. It was nice. Yeah. Yes. yes. Liked it. Mm. Um, I speak all the languages in the timeline. That was uh, that was that was fun. <laughs> I want more of that. I want people speaking more languages in the timeline. That nice. was um joyous we, we did say we'd keep an eye out for certain things and i think with my eagle eye heightened sense for these things i figured out who the scroll was in this episode oh okay give me i think it's the scroll that's at the desk when he first comes into the time thing <laughs> that doesn't count matthew <laughs> i didn't see that yeah there's a freezing no you just when, no. when he first goes through there was a scroll there which is like oh that's interesting so that scroll's doing possible shenanigans hmm. mm. Yeah, I don't think this is going to be a thing that's got a scroll in it. I think this is doing a different story. Uh, I know who I want the scroll to be. Uh, Gugu and, and Batha Raw, okay. just so that we see more of that. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, it, I mean, it could be that, I don't know what to call them, villain Loki is a scroll, I guess. Hmm. I don't know. But it's then again, to I suppose they'd be placing themselves somewhere extraneous you know it doesn't mm. it doesn't feel like a part of the universe that is open to infiltration no exactly i think in, if they're if they're infiltrating we we're talking about them infiltrating the authorities on earth and different organizations mm. or taking over avengers taking over the tva it feels like a very different thing and it feels like suddenly that's an escalation i'd expect in like phase 7 yeah, but they don't need to necessarily be taking over the TVA for this variant. You know, I don't know if he if it is to discredit Loki for some reason. I don't know. I mean, all they need to be able to go in and out is some tech from a um, a time agent. But I feel like your Polaroid technology 
is gonna you know they they've got to have a different mm, aura that's everyone's fair. got to have an aura variety because again why else why else have that mm. if not because you have had infiltration i mean i want to see the robot wars of marvel that have clearly resulted in the installation of this tech <laughs> yeah right right the armor melt you from the inside mm. right you know but then that's mm. armor and it's not the inside that's yeah I, I thought there was something really interesting in that gate just i think you know i think it's worth keeping an eye out of our spot the shrek uh, the, not shrek that would spot be different. the, shrek. Spot the <laughs> scroll <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's not far off but spot the scroll okay i think i think absolutely we, we should keep an eye on them but i think if i think we probably will get one in this series but i think it might be another end credit once we've moved away from mm-hmm what's going on you know in the tva and that and the same with it it did with one division i've got some stuff just kind of deep diving on loki i'd like mm-hmm. to talk about i really liked the juxtaposition that they took of loki's take on freedom and choice for those he wants to rule and then putting that against his raging against his lack of freedom and choice if this whole sacred timeline is, is mm-hmm. true and the whole i always love it when people play their words back to them and it really works and yeah. this it really did work and I thought that was great. And also, how crappy to find out that you're not the the star of your own life, and you were just there for to make others mm. better, and not not in a good. You know, that actually sounds quite nice. You're there to make others better, but in this way, it, it really isn't. It's yeah. you know, you're there to mm. be crappy so other other people can be better. So that was quite especially depressing. for an Asgardian god to be there to make Earth superheroes slightly yes. more interesting. Mm. I did. I must one admit, of them I, I, is a Hawkeye. I did have a moment where I was like, "Now do Black Widow." <laughs> yeah Yeah, i particularly loved in all that showing him that he didn't actually live for as long as he should have done yeah for someone so long the tape thing was yeah i'd I'd never quite considered that because because to us it's obviously oh it's you know the character's still going to be around we're going to get to see more of the character until tom hiddleston wants to stop doing it or is too old to do it but actually yeah when you look at it from a character point to go yeah, you only had a few more years after this point anyway. So going this route will allow you a bit more a bit more life, a bit more time to do something different. Particularly when those few years mean nothing to an Asgardian. Mm. The first time I saw it, I wondered if this Loki was going to go back. And if, in fact, he is doing the things that he does with the knowledge that he has, that, mm. that that's the end of his life. Mm. Um because he doesn't know the consequence of that because it's the end of the tape. Mm. Um, and I just, you know, the, I remember the first time I watched that, watched that sequence thinking this, this is a bold Loki who seems to recognize the risk mm. that he's taking. It, it seems like a knowing sacrifice. And I remember thinking that the first time I watched it and I thought it was interesting, just even, even if that doesn't work variant wise mm. and, and setup wise, it was an interesting kind of reflection to have. That actually maybe he would do that anyway. Maybe that 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 Loki would take this grand gesture. Maybe having watched it play back, he would consider that suitably theatrical mm. or whatever. Um, even for a draw of paperweights. Yeah. Any more notes? Obviously. <laughs> have at it. I I just have to go back to to sexy Loki and Loki flirting. More Loki flirting. <laughs> More Loki Can't... when he's had a shower flirting. Speaking of sexy Loki, which is not like he's not like that high on my list, but you know he's on the list. But I was delighted to see that they've let Tom Hiddleston do the Marvel bulk. Right. I mean, 
right? Just that that little moment there. You're like, how much chicken did you eat to get that? Like, Guy's got abs. Was, <laughs> he's done some work. He's been allowed to have the food and do the thing. And, um, you know, Marvel really does have people who can do the thing mm. with their actors. And I, I was quite happy for Tom Hiddleston to have an opportunity to work with that. Because, yeah. you know, previously he's had the opposite. <laughs> And I think we should um, see more of the fruits of those efforts. I think so too. And I, I thought that was, it was, it was just a nice sense that like, yes, it's a boiler suit, but it's only for now, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, beneath mm-hmm. yes. more interesting things are happening. And, and Party I thought underneath. Was, yeah, it was quite generous. I felt, you know, it's, it was, um, I, yeah, I just, I thought it was a very interesting, definite choice. Mm-hmm. You know, there was to, no to... other reason for that whole no, robot it was, thing, was it was purely gratuitous but yeah. it was also kind of generous and i i kind of approve of that i suppose talked about how it's a show of aesthetics and that is one someone has mm. done some work for so yeah yep. why not i i wonder when he had the whole thing of you know confirm this is everything you've ever said and he signs his name do you think asgardian gods know how to sign their names yeah i bet they've got paperwork on asgard as well i mean if it's anything like <laughs> stockholm <laughs> Which obviously is. <laughs> yeah. It was just, just you know, it just distracted me for a moment there. <laughs> I mean it's probably in runes. <laughs> in those fonts that we've got at the beginning. <laughs> L O colour in the middle. <laughs> what distracted me so I I loved the joke. It was in a trailer, so obviously that always takes it away ever so slightly from you seeing it live, which now I won't won't watch any more trailers. But is that why does it stop when he leaves that room? Because he's already in the TVA. So it, I would understand them stopping recording what he says once he hits the TVA. But it's only when he leaves that particular room. Well, it's prior to signing. It's all your past prior to signing. And then maybe once it, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's because he's got his flashy thing on now. Mm. Maybe that records everything, so you don't need confirmation. Or maybe there's going to be another big pile of paper in there. <laughs> just well, exactly. weekly. Yeah, updates. if he has to go through the trial again at some point. I want to do um... bureaucracy watch. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... I thought it was interesting that they didn't take the opportunity to correct Loki when he said that Coulson was dead. Yes. Mm. Because Coulson coming back, has, which is in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., for anyone who hasn't uh, mm-hmm. watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., him being brought back has never been confirmed in the MCU proper. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, that's interesting. There wasn't even like a look from mm. from uh, Mobius. Mm. Uh, if they were going to, and I thought they were about to, I genuinely thought they were about I to did. basically confirm Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. existed. But of all mm. things to mention, mm. and not confirm, and, and it almost comes to the point where you think, is that, you know, then to the contrary, and saying actually we're not taking Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. through into the MCU. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. kind of the way I took it. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that it could flip the other way because I think there were re- the reasons what we were shown are twofold. One, in order to take him through that journey, but also it wouldn't surprise me if some of whatever we saw there comes or some of those characters or what have you come into play later. So whether it's his mother mm. or, or, or Odin or what have you, just as so that for the people who perhaps haven't watched 23 films, mm-hmm. um there's a kind of, oh yeah, that's the person we saw earlier. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm always up for a bit It definitely Coulson. seemed like all of the Loki that we have seen is a part of the character. And mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that those kind of clip show moments, as I say, for someone who hasn't 
retain the films as much as they might. It's very good. But I think also to point out that those things are meaningful in terms of Loki as a mm-hmm. character. I mean, how how did you think um, looking at Loki as a character was handled compared with the way that we've looked at, at Wanda and Vision and Falcon and Bucky as we've gone through? It, I mean, I know that Loki is kind of just one person in one show, but it felt like we did more real work with the content mm-hmm. we've had and the places we might go than we did in, in some ways in the totality of the other shows. We looked mm. at him as a whole character instead of an aspect. And I think that that is because they needed to get him to the Loki that they wanted him to have. Mm-hmm. But he's not that yet because he hasn't gone through Ragnarok. So by showing him that and having him react to, well, Thor 2 as well, the death of um, Frigga and, and what have you, I'm still not convinced that's Frigga who appears to him. <laughs> <laughs> our conversation <laughs> but uh i think as you said we've got 45 minutes of people talking and and i think when you do that you really can delve deep mm-hmm. and and particularly when you've got someone like hiddleston and then uh, owen wilson for him to play off of mm-hmm. um there were a few times where i'm kind of like oh you're really acting here <laughs> it's but theatrical. that's what Lo- that's what loki is yeah. isn't mm-hmm. he so i think it's mm-hmm. fine it's fine mm-hmm. And yeah, he can do a lot with his face. I did feel like it felt like that kind of Branner version of Loki as well. Yeah. It's like, this mm-hmm. is where we came in. This is what we mm. were here for. And again, yeah, it did have elements of being like a play. And that is all I want. I just want Marvel the play. I want the other Thor, you know, the pastiche Thor. <laughs> I want the play. Uh, well, that's that's actually interesting. It's something we were talking about um, last Loki episode is... Is this going to be lots of inside chat, inside sats, and is this going to be a, a cheaper show? Mm-hmm. Which I was watching. I was kind of thinking these were a lot of inside sats because I don't think Mongolia was real, and um, and a bit of a clip show. <laughs> so mm. <laughs> unless they're they're saving their budget for the rest of the episodes. Yeah, because I think there's a lot of work to come in for yeah. this show from what we've seen. Yeah, mm. I, I I suspect there will be more interesting time traveling stuff with it because i think i think one of the things we've seen in in many clips and so on is shots of him with other mongolian type people or mongolian looking mm-hmm. people so i wonder if we might return to that moment that's mm. interesting mm. if it's a kind of mm. we keep coming in here mm. yeah sort of groundhog day thing mm-hmm. yeah it'd be interesting has mm. there been any mongolia connection before or is it just kind of marvel shorthand for a vaguely isolated place that most people haven't gone to yeah. in their gap year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's yeah. just uh, middle of nowhere shorthand. Mm. Mm. Hiddleston's so good as Loki when he, he lands, he's kind of looking around, sees the people, you see that shifty calculating look and he leaps up on the on the rock and starts doing his burden with glorious <laughs> purpose. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Immediately you're like, okay. So I also really like that, you know, people live in Mongolia and they're just like, what What are you doing? Like, what? why? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> why are you not? Not one of those. <laughs> I did have a moment in that scene where um, when um, Hunter B-15 hits him with the time stick mm-hmm. and they did the slow-mo and mm-hmm. I, I, my reaction was, oh, I don't need this. I don't need kind of like wacky comedy. Because I thought, well, this because obviously I've come in thinking this is going to be the fun show, uh, and I'm like, oh no, 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 I do not. And then when she puts the collar on him and it's explained, you're kind of like, oh yes, 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 yes I like <laughs> this now. Uh, so yeah, I I like the the use of the effects there, but make it mean something. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I, I think the first half of this show did the undercutting joke a couple of times, perhaps once or twice too much than I would have liked okay. it to. Um, but that's because I'm a little bit over that joke. So hopefully they've done it now. And, and you know, I'll give them one an episode. Mm-hmm. And and we'll move on from there, hopefully. And, and and I suspect the undercutting might be so we can see him move from the grandstanding Loki of now to a Loki who doesn't grandstand, so it doesn't give people the opportunity to undercut. Yeah, I hope that's not the end of the grandstanding. I do love a, a little grandstanding from hmm. it. I think, again, though, the undercutting was important because it was that emphasis. You know, this is a Loki who's seen a lot of things and been to a good few worlds, and it takes a lot. You know, again, that's why the Infinity Stone thing has meaning. It's because we've done the mm. undercutting thing a few times, but that's the thing that lands. We've mm. seen him kind of brush through these things and just be like, well, I can't, I must be off my game. I must be a bit tired. You know, yeah. I, that can't be right. And And it's his reaction, I think, that makes it, less of a repeated joke and more of a uh, device you know it is it is yeah. intentional repetition and i think that's again mm-hmm. what i was talking about the bureaucracy you know they are tapping away at him from every angle um mm-hmm. but i do wonder if you know when we were talking about the judge thing if there are different people in the tva with different ideas about him mm-hmm. and perhaps if hunter would just rather prune him and if mobius is is very keen to kind of work with him in this way and if the judge yeah has an idea of a sentence to be carried out. You know, like, I, I wonder if there are conflicting ideas in the mm. TBA or if that's not the point. But it's nice to wonder. It's nice to see some real character and purpose and role and, and variance, mm-hmm. even within this institution. Because it's so easy when you bring in an institution to make everyone a kind of different shade of grey. And I thought yeah. that, that, that that wasn't the case so much in yes. this. No, Agreed. not at all. Mm. So, and, uh, you know, the... the um, the uh, you know what's a fish and I've lived my whole life at a desk character I was like I kind of want to see your show (laughs) yeah I think is this also slightly Matthew our payback for saying I want to see more of the insurance side Mm. of Marvel and and I am interested to see where he references the nightmare department go and show me the night don't tell me they exist go and show me what mephisto's doing over there is this Loki a a escapee (laughs) from the nightmare department Mm, exactly Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, I, I think we've covered our, our hopes, our fears, mm. but um, I think all in all, generally, I think we're on side with Loki. Absolutely. I mean, I'm positive. Looking yeah. forward to next episode. Mm. Happy to treat this as the mini series. I think it is rather than the mystery box we want to untangle. Yeah, that'd be nice yeah. and actually a bit of a relief mm. to to mm. I think feel that I'm, I'm coming in and I'm seeing a whole picture. And now we're just going to mm-hmm. laser in on some details. I think that's yeah. a show that I am really, really here for. So on that note, uh, we'll be back next week to consider episode two uh, and what it may or may not be burdened with. And in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing. Uh, I'm at this A.E. Shaw. Matthew? I'm at Matthew Vose. And Laura? And I'm at Laura Geeks Out. And this is Fine Asgardian Leather. <laughs>